Um, so this morning we're going to talk about Halloween. Um, I did a talk on this a number of years ago, and uh, I've, I've done it a couple of times at Emanate. And the thing is, we don't talk about it that often because that's not what I want to major on. You know, we want to major on the goodness and the kindness and the love of God and his power, not so much the kingdom of darkness or anything of that end of things. At the same time, again, I don't want you to be unaware. And so there's a, there's a balance to that. And I'm super conscious that um, for some of you, if you're hearing some of this information for the first time, you're going to go like, wait, what? And shame can ride in on that. And I don't want that to happen either. You know, I want us to just be able to go, wow, okay, didn't know that. Good to know. Now, what am I going to do with this information? Is that okay? All right. Um, my, the talk that I did six years ago actually remains the most downloaded talk we have from Emanate because people keep wanting to uh, re-listen to it. And I think it's because, again, we largely don't talk about it. Um, and I think we need to at least once in a while. Um, the reason that I'm talking about it today is because Jeff asked me to do it. He's in Romania. You can ask him, though, when he gets back. Uh, he, he was like, no, we were, we were meeting. We went over all my notes and everything, and I was like, this is what I'm going to say. And he's like, yes. And I was like, okay. And he said, I wish I was going to be there to say I asked her to do this. Um, so uh, Jeff asked me to do it, but I'm actually on one level really happy to do it because I think you need to know. So let's do this. Um, it's funny, depending on sort of where you are in the world, because... Uh, Certain countries celebrate this more than other countries. Uh, by certain countries, I mean uh, America, I think, celebrates it the most out of uh, any country that I've seen. I, was, I, I remember moving here the, uh, the first year that we were here, and I'd never, like, I think it was September something, and I walked into a grocery store, and there was, like, the biggest Halloween thing that I'd ever seen. And I was like, we're, like, six weeks away, and good heavens, why are they you know, decorating their whole thing with all this demonic stuff, you know, it's a grocery store, you know. Uh, I was doing a little bit of research last week, and apparently last year, um, Americans spent $8 billion on Halloween. Isn't that, like, wouldn't that help our, like, debt or something? I don't know, I just, um, it's just a thought, Sorry. Sorry. <clears throat> so let's keep going. This morning, we're going to look at this topic from a couple of different perspectives. But again, it's clear to me that Christians do have different views. And I think some of it is, some of our views are informed by fear or misinformation. Um, some of us are just informed by we don't want to be religious. And so we've gone the opposite direction. And then I think a lot of the middle ground there is just we just, we went along with the ride you know? And so most Americans think Halloween is just good, clean fun, right? Kids are going to get dressed up. They're going to get candy. It's good, clean fun. Um, but it actually isn't a holiday based on good, clean anything. And it's really important to understand that. So today we're going to look at this from a couple different perspectives. We're going to look at a historical perspective, where did it come from? What is it, you know, where is it rooted in? 
We're going to look at a biblical perspective, and then we're going to look at a cultural perspective. Don't worry, we're not going to be here that long. I speak fast. I want to start by looking at one verse right before we go into historical perspective. Hosea 4, verse 6, in the NAS says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's what we want to avoid as a leadership team. The message says, my people are ruined because they don't know what's right or true. And it's important that we understand what's right and what's true. So, for a historical perspective uh, on Halloween, we need to actually start by looking at what are the roots of this holiday. So, if you want to know what kind of fruit you're going to get from something, you check the root, right? An apple tree gives you... Right. Okay. So, Halloween originates in the Druid pagan holiday of Samhain, or Sawin is how they pronounced it. Um, and the Druids, who were the Celtic priests, believed that the veil separating uh, the, you know, our current world and the demonic was thinnest at this point. So they believed that the dead could come back and haunt people and demons could roam the earth and, and that witchcraft was at its strongest on October 31st. Or that they could get the most sort of power on October 31st. Uh, the Druids, again, who are the Celtic priests, would perform ceremonies to invoke the Lord of the dead to come and tell them about the future. These ceremonies were done with human sacrifices. And the Wiccans and Satanists of today borrow much of their doctrine and practices from the ancient Druids. So, that's cheery. Sounds like a good route. We should celebrate that. Sorry, sarcasm. Well, where did trick-or-treating come from? Uh, Trick-or-treating came from leaving a treat outside of your house. So what they would do is, again, this is over in the UK, they would leave a little treat outside of their house, hoping that whatever demons and ghosts came would be attracted to the treat and then leave the, and leave the house to so the people in the house alone. So that's where it originally came from, um, which, you know, that sounds great. Uh, and then in Ireland later, it became that the young people would dress up as demons and evil spirits and they'd go door to door and do like reenactment of scary things unless you gave them a treat and they would vandalize houses and things like that unless you left them a treat. Oh, good. Oh, good. That's a good place for it to come from. Jack-o'-lanterns. I, I tried to find slightly friendlier looking. It's hard with teeth. Just saying. Uh, Jack-o'-lanterns came from carving apples and root vegetables and things like that into scary faces that they would put a candle in, and again, they'd put it out to try and ward off the demons coming towards the houses. Okay? So none of them are really from great places. You catching my drift? Okay. Um, the dressing up part of Halloween seems to come from two places. One, what I was saying about in Ireland when they would dress up like demons and go and, you know, bug people. Um, the other one is, apparently, they would dress up as somebody else so that if a ghost was trying to find you, they couldn't recognize you. Uh, and so you try and dress up like someone else so that anything that was trying to haunt you couldn't actually find you. Great. 
Um, so, <clears throat> let me just have a look here. So, Pope Gregory IV is the one that came up with calling it All Hallowed Eve. And that's where we get the name Halloween from. And basically, he knew that people wanted to keep doing what they were doing. And so, he incorporated it into the Christian culture. It's good old fear of man, folks. But what will we do if we don't, you know, agree with them? Like, what will they do? If you read the Old Testament, there are so many places where the people of God liked something of the people that they conquered and they wanted to keep it. And God's answer was always the same. No. So we've, we've kept something that actually is not part of the kingdom we're a part of. And that's where it gets a little bit tricky. But at least we're not facing a new issue. The question for me becomes whether we want to keep making the same mistakes. So, what is Halloween today? Halloween today is still the high holiday, high holiday for Satanists, yes, in America. Uh, much of the practices are based off of Druid tradition, and living sacrifices are still happening in America on Halloween. I, um, I'm just looking around. There are no kids, right? The kids are gone. Okay. Uh, I celebrated Halloween as a kid. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I, we, we celebrated Halloween and I dressed up as like princesses and pumpkins and pumpkins. I remember many times, actually, maybe we were unoriginal, (laughs) but, uh, I mean, I remember celebrating it, and my cousins who were Baptists, they didn't. And I remember thinking, that's just the dumbest thing ever. Like, it's just about candy, you know? And uh, I thought that until the mid-'90s. So um, the revival started in Toronto, and when the revival started, all these different people started coming that were looking for freedom and looking for healing. And one of those people that came, I made uh, friends with, and I'm going to call her Anne today. Uh, but I made friends with this girl named Anne. And uh, Anne had been satanically ritually abused for years. Her dad was one of the uh, heads of the Satanists in Canada. And uh, I didn't really know what any of that meant. She ended up being dissociative. She had, we used to call it MPD, I think now we call it DID. Um, but she was just a big old mess and they did it to her on purpose. And, uh, so I, you know, I became friends with her and when we got close to Halloween, she asked a couple of us if we would stay with her because she said on Halloween, some of the, the personalities that weren't saved yet would come out and try and steal the body and bring it back. And if they did, she'd be dead. And I was like, I don't understand anything you're saying right now. Great. And so anyway, there was a couple of us that agreed to be with her, and uh, we went to a friend's house, and around four o'clock in the afternoon, she said uh, to my friend Wendy, she said, Wendy, I need you to handcuff me to the radiator. We're like, what? I mean, she's not big, you know? (laughs) We're like, okay, why? And she said, you're going to see, but I need to make sure that I can't get out of here, and whatever you do, don't unhandcuff me until the morning. And that's when I started to realize I was going to have a very interesting evening. By very interesting, I mean it was terrifying. 
And I'm not actually going to talk about that because I'll be honest with you, I went and got ministry for what I saw. And it was really freaky. But over the next couple of years, I started to, uh, as I was friends with her, she started to tell me some stories of things that happened on Halloween. But the thing that stuck with me the most was that she said, she had a sister, and she said, the morning of every Halloween, they would say goodbye to each other because they never knew if they would both be alive the next day. Guys, this is a dark holiday. It's not a nice, fluffy thing that we just dress up and have candy. I honestly believe that in celebrating uh, Honolulu, in That in celebrating Halloween, that we're opening a door to the demonic over our kids. Um, Several years ago, I posted something about it on uh, Facebook, about Halloween. And you would swear that I just insulted everybody's mother. Like, the reactions were like, I was like, why is this so precious to you? Are you joking? Right? But like, huge, huge reactions. And one of the things that people sent me was this. Let's take it back for Jesus. Y'all, this was never about Jesus in the first place. So we're not taking it back. You know what I'm saying? And that just sounds exactly what Pope Gregory did. Right? Scripture is really clear about how God feels about occult practices. And that's what this is celebrating. So let's look at a biblical biblical perspective. Deuteronomy, I'm going to be fine. 18 (laughs) verses 9 to 11. When you enter the land that God your God is giving you, don't take on any abominable ways of life of the nations there. Don't you dare sacrifice your son or daughter in the fire. Don't practice divination, sorcery, fortune-telling, witchery, casting spells, holding seances, or channeling with the dead. So, witchcraft is not new, and it's detestable to God, and that's throughout the Old and the New Testament, in case anybody's going to go for the New Testament argument on this one. Um, we, the argument that I've heard is we're not celebrating by just having a party and dressing up and having sweets. Like, we're not actually celebrating Halloween. No, actually, that's the definition of celebrating. <laughs> having a party, dressing up. Right? Okay. Well, you know what, AJ? It's great for evangelism. People come over, and it's such a great opportunity to evangelize them while we look like demons and things. I had a friend that actually said that to me. She's like, well, I use it for evangelism. And I said, I challenge you, how many people have you led to the Lord on Halloween? If it takes a celebration rooted in Satanism before we can tell people about Jesus, I think we have bigger issues than this particular teaching. (laughs) Here's the thing it's always going to come down to for me. We're children of light. And if you want to say this is not black, it's gray, it's still gray, folks. And we're children of light. We're not designed for gray. Romans 12, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. 
The message says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. One of the things that Anne said to me is when she first got saved is she was so confused when she saw Christians celebrating Halloween because she thought, oh, then you're not really Christians because how could you celebrate this horrible thing? But I get it. It's because we don't know what it actually is. It's because we bought the, we like to decorate, don't we? We like to like, we have a wreath for every season, you know? (laughs) We're trying to figure out how to make a spring wreath just so we can have decorations, you know. We're all about that. But the thing is, is this holiday is all about darkness. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 22, abstain from every form or appearance of evil. Appearance means what it looks like. Ephesians 5 verse 1 and then 3, or sorry, 8 through 11. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. So, I think the Bible's pretty clear. Let's look at a cultural perspective. And again, I'm speaking largely as an outsider, though I've been here for 10 years, so I'm starting to feel like an insider. Um, Because it's my home, and I love it here. Um, When we first moved here, I was really, really, really surprised at how big Halloween was. I mean, I was really surprised. Um, And I was surprised how it was everywhere. Um, And I think, I don't don't know, I, I think just moving to the South when you're basically so much of the culture here is Christian culture to have something like this celebrated so hugely, it just, it just really didn't make a whole lot of sense for me. So, for a cultural perspective, how many of you guys like Pottery Barn? Big fans? No? Yeah? Okay, I like Pottery Barn. It works for me. Love their stuff. Imagine my delight when we got this in the mail. Yep. We're used to being sold sofas and dining room chairs, not skulls and silver-plated skeletons. But it's Halloween, folks, so, you know. And you open those things up, and they have taglines like, Cast a spell on guests with an eerie tableau of faux crows and a watchful hovering witch. Could I? No. But guys, you know what? You could pay just $70 for your own ceramic skull. It's just $70. It's a bargain. Even better, it's a skull lantern, so it will glow. You think about Williams in Sonoma, again, one of my favorite places, sells high-end kitchenware, but now, well, look at this. Here, let me read you this. A haunting home. Come on in and let me pour you some blood orange drink from this here giant skull. No, it doesn't say that, but I mean, like, look, look at this. Look at this. Okay, so you're going to pour from the giant skull into some tiny little skulls, Tell me at what other time of year would this be okay? 
right? People come over in March and you're like, there's your skull cup, just going to pour it. You'd be like, I'm out of here. Thank you so much. But it's Halloween, so it's totally cool. It's totally cool. I can't even, I can't even take myself seriously right now. Guys, you could have a dessert skull with a dagger in it. You have the mold. You can mold it, you know, make one of those. What's the red cake called? The red velvet cake. Again, often when we point this kind of stuff up, people just go, well, it's just Halloween. Well, maybe it is just Halloween, but maybe we should have no part of it. Um, Alan and I hit the same problem when we uh, started seeing Harry Potter on the rise, right? And it's just a book about a kid who practices sorcery, who's training to be a wizard and who casts spells, but it's really well written, guys. Like, it's, it's such great, you know, writing, Awesome. It is, uh, at its most elementary level, it's a book concerning material that God says clearly to have nothing to do with. Um, The school that he goes to is called the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. I mean, there's not a lot of gray area for us to go, no, but wait, it was really... It's just a story about a boy who's into witchcraft. I'm going to read you a quote from, uh, this is from abc.com. It's from their uh, website. And it says, For a thousand years, to be called a witch was tantamount to being labeled a heretic and ended with many innocent women on the wrong side of a fiery stake. Witchcraft remains a crime on the books in many Western countries until uh, after World War II. Today, with the excess of... Hol- the success of Hollywood's franchises like the Harry Potter and Twilight series, being a witch has not only become mainstream, it's become cool. The trouble with this topic is, you know that whole thing about how do you boil a frog? You put it in water and just gradually increase it so you're not aware. So sometimes what we need is uh, some scorching heat to realize we're being boiled alive. So I remember <clears throat> I had the weirdest conversation with the Lord. This is a true story. I'm having a conversation with the Lord, and the Lord says to me, hey, Alan, I'd like you to write a book. I'm like, great. What's the book? And the Lord says, the name of the book is Porno Pete and the Pornographer's Lens. Now, me and the Lord have a strange sense of humor. You'll understand. And I was like, I, I beg your pardon, Lord? And he's like, oh, yeah. It's an amazing story about an 11-year-old boy that discovers with him, within himself this legendary ability to capture uh, pornography in an amazing way. And he goes to a school. He gets trained in the fine art of capturing different sex positions with a video camera. It's amazing. Kids are going to love it. And I'm like, Lord, you're kind of freaking me out here. And he's like, right, your revulsion is rightly so because it's about sexual sin, but my people are completely okay with another type of sin that's just become normalized. Can you imagine getting a letter home from Williamson County Schools saying, hey, we're really, really excited. This, uh, this semester, your sixth grader is going to be reading Porno Pete and the Pornographer's Lens. Now, we know that some religious parents might have a problem with it, but really, it's a really, really great educational tool. No, you would be freaking out. Which brings me to the topic. Let's forget about Halloween for a second, and let's talk about my second favorite um, celebration. We call it Sexy Ween. It's amazing. 
you're, you're going to love what happens. Basically what happens is you get to dress your kids up in, in uh, different uh, outfits. They get to go around the neighborhood. It's brilliant. The whole family gets involved. Uh, you can dress up your kids really creatively. Uh, maybe like it's a giant condom or you can like little girls getting ready because you know, even those servers, they need Jesus. Let's not be judgmental. My particular favorite, all ages can get in on the action. And it's beautiful. Now, Sexy Week, of course, is rooted in the older days of sex parties and orgies, rape culture and sexual immorality. But it's not about that anymore, guys. It's just about having fun and getting dressed up and getting your kids together. And uh, just don't be so religious and uptight. You don't understand it's awesome because you get to decorate your front lawns with giant inflatable genitalia. You get to hang your like, lingerie everywhere. It's great. You drive around, you get a big bus, you take the kids around, and you get to see what's amazing out on the front lawns. And then what happens is the kids go house to house to show off their sexy costumes, not scary costumes, you understand because uh, you know that fear is impure but this one is, is fun and then you give them their choice of either condoms or candies it's fantastic and the kids just get really really now what's happening in your hearts right now is you're getting offended at me <laughs> for being light-hearted about something that's abhorrent and my point is why do people get upset when I start joking about that but will argue and defend this I find it's interesting that none of us would stand for that. In fact, you don't even like me joking about it. But it's possible that we're so desensitized to the other stuff that we don't even notice that our neighbors have got giant demonic creatures that light up at night and scare your kids. And you're just like, oh, no, no, it's just good, clean fun. Aging. Are we having fun yet? So I went on Amazon and I was looking at, I just, you know, put in kids Halloween costumes. You know, there's all kinds of great costumes that we can get for our kids. It's not about darkness, guys. It's just a nice holiday. This first one's sort of a mashup of sexy ween and Halloween. It could work for either one, I guess. And some, to- some costumes actually come with their own toy. So that's good, isn't it? So great. As long as the witch is cute, that makes it okay, right? Ephesians 5, verse 18. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's the thing. We're actually called to live differently, and I get it. It's probably going to cost us something, especially if we've been celebrating Halloween or letting our kids celebrate Halloween up until this point. I get it. There's some hard conversations to have. There's some decisions to make. I think they're well worth making. So how do we navigate it with our kids? I think to some extent that probably depends on the age of the children. What it's come down to for us is actually the whole question that Jeff asks all the time. It's not about right or wrong. It's about life or death, right? It's a holiday. 
to celebrate the Lord of death. I don't think that there's a gray area on what it's about. So for us, it comes down to this is actually something that celebrates a person and a thing that we choose not to celebrate, and that's what we've told our kids. So we've just told them, guys, there's nothing about Jesus in this. This is not a celebration of him. It doesn't give him any glory, and so we don't do it. And all three of them, although they're all different ages, 12, 10, 6, have been totally fine with that. Great. So we don't, we don't even stand there and hand out candy. I don't want to participate in any way. Uh, so we always go out for dinner someplace, and then, you know, we might shop a little bit, and then we come home and go to bed. Um, but honestly, none of them have reacted like they're missing out on something. Now, I do buy them each a bag of candy. And then we put it, you know, in their lunch or whatever. Um, but that's about, that's about it for us. Um, it's really funny, actually, because uh, MJ is our youngest. And so his takeaway from our talk about how it doesn't give uh, glory to Jesus, but it gives glory to Satan, was that it must be Satan's birthday. And uh, I feel I should tell you that because apparently he shared that little nugget at children's church at some point. So if you're child comes home and says, Halloween is Satan's birthday, you're welcome. (laughs) That was my child. (laughs) Uh, Again, I, I... My hope is that nobody comes away with shame this morning, but just comes away with revelation. Um... But if it's all right with you, I know we're sort of ending a little bit early, but I just want to pray. And um, it's interesting. I, I don't think Harvey knew what I was speaking on this morning, but as I'm getting ready to come up and again feeling pretty nervous, he came up and he said, hey, the Lord says the truth will set people free. And I was like, right. Right. It did me. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are, you're so gracious towards us, God. And, Lord, I thank you that you have made it that the truth sets us free. And so, Father, this morning I ask that it would do exactly that, God, that it would free our hearts. Lord, that every bit of revelation that we've received this morning, everything that we've heard that we didn't know before, God, that that would bear fruit in us. Lord, we want to be people of light. We want to be people that represent you well. We want to be people that shine with you. And we don't want them to be gray. We don't want there to be gray areas or things that bring confusion. And so, Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us this morning and that you just, again, that you'd wash us clean of any bit of shame but, Lord, that you would talk to us about how we are to live. And, Lord, for those of us that need to have conversations with our kids, Lord, I ask that you would be in the midst of those conversations, God, that you'd give us the right words, that you'd give them open hearts. But, God, we want to live as people that are set apart. So we thank you for your strength and your grace and your wisdom and your love towards us. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.